You're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars. Welcome back to a new episode of The Secrets of Star Wars. I'm Father Roderick, and today we are finally doing it. <laughs> Dom is here, too, and together we are going to look back on Episode 7, The Force Awakens. We've been uh, away for many, many months, uh, partially because of uh, the fact that we decided to stay spoiler-free, and then, you know, what are you going to talk about? <laughs> but now that the movie is out and we've seen it many times, uh, we definitely wanted to go uh, back to the microphone and give you our honest opinion on, on on the movie, on the themes that we see. And most of all, because you've, you might have listened to tons of reviews already, um, we want to look ahead at the story and how it unfolds and which clues from this movie point us to where the story might go. Dom, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be back, finally. Uh, between the two of us, we've seen the movie 11 times, uh, although the bulk of those have been yours, <laughs> your viewings. Uh, I've only seen it three times. Uh, so, But it's great to, to finally get a chance to talk about them. I've been you know, ch- champing at the bit, waiting to, to discuss. <laughs> I've been holding back whenever we've talked otherwise. Like, I don't want to talk too much about it now because then we'll use up all our discussion. So this is, this is the listeners are going to get to hear all of it <laughs> at once. Absolutely. And we actually saw the movie together. One time, which is quite extraordinary because I live in Europe, you live in the United States, but somehow (laughs) fate brought us together and uh, and actually... A ship in the middle of the ocean, right? Well, there you go. (laughs) I flew in two parsecs to Boston and uh, we saw the movie in an IMAX theater, which was the only time that I saw the movie in an IMAX theater and the experience was fantastic. It was by far the best uh, version that I've seen. Not to mention that... It was the only time that I saw the movie without subtitles, which is really good, actually. Yes, it's not distracting, yes. <laughs> so what we're going to do is we will uh, walk through the chronology of the movie, and um, every once in a while, I suppose, actually all the time, we will stop <laughs> and we will reflect on on things uh, that happen. So let's go back to that first time that we saw episode seven. The lights go out, the commercials are finally over and we see that single phrase that says a long time ago in a galaxy far far away which then brings us to of course the star wars logo the fanfare and the first scroll with uh, the information and i don't know about you but i really like this scroll i remember the the introductions to the prequels where i was like so wait, who, what, politics, which trade route, what, what is happening? And I just, it, it, it did not enter. Yeah. Whereas there this was, was not a, a single mention of tax policy at all in this crawl. <laughs> <laughs> and it made everything very clear from the beginning. Luke Skywalker is gone. His sister wants to find him. They need to figure out how. And so they send a pilot to a planet and he's going to, you know, give us the first clue to the whereabouts of Luke Skywalker. Now, I remember, Dom, yep. that way back when we start first started this this podcast, we, we talked about rumors and about, you know, potential things that might happen, things that some rumor sites said. And, and I remember that this came up quite early, that, that this would be about the, the quest for Luke Skywalker. 
Well, in fact, very early on, uh, there was mention that, in, maybe in an early version of the script, that the it would start with Luke Skywalker's severed hand holding a, a lightsaber floating through space would be the first thing we saw. Um, so yeah, so very early on, it was it was very clear that the the vision for this movie was going to be and for this trilogy was going to be about the fate of Luke Skywalker, which. Which made sense. I mean, really, that's that. Luke Skywalker has been at the center of at least the the episodes four, five, and six. I mean, his his fate, his his role in the in the in the galaxy with the Force, and so uh, having him uh, be the center of this, you know, the very first part of you know the first sentence of the crawl, is just completely made sense. This is what the fans have come to see: is they want to see Luke. Now, and some people have been criticizing this, saying it's just a MacGuffin. You know, it's just Luke Skywalker is gone. You need to, to kind of have a, a simple-to-understand storyline. So Luke Skywalker and or his lightsaber is just a MacGuffin that will propel the story forward. Or is there more to this? Well, I well, I mean, sometimes you need a MacGuffin. You need uh, something to drive the plot. You need something, you know, it's this is a classic quest. This is a, a, a quest movie. And so the... The main characters are going to need a quest to go do something, and and most often that's a find something or someone. And so this is it's not just a, it's a MacGuffin; it's that it harkens back to the very uh, prehistoric types of stories that 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 humanity has always told, which is we need to find someone who's very important who will save us, and the the search for a a savior is 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 key to. All of human history, not you know, not just any particular religion or culture, but all cultures have have always thought of the hero that will come that we need to find. Um, so, I I don't have any criticism of of having Luke Skywalker be the 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 hero that the questers are going to find, especially since we've got two more movies uh, where that will play out. I mean, the, no, you know, we're, spoiler. Uh, horn goes off here. <laughs> this is a spoilerific review, obviously. Oh yeah! In case you Which, did not know that already, <laughs> we kind of assume that you've seen the movie more yes. than once. <laughs> and so, yeah, if listening to a podcast called Secrets <laughs> of Star Wars by by now, you've seen the movie. But you know, at the end of this movie, we have Luke. So you know, the the rest of the we've only got a third of the story so far. So to say that Luke is the MacGuffin kind of under misunderstands that this is just the first part of a three-part story. And I think there's also something very interesting that they do kind of on a meta scale with this particular story thread. Because this movie, to me, is all about kind of passing on the Force, the faith in the Force, the faith in the Jedi to a new generation. And um, Luke Skywalker was the last Jedi, and he's gone. And uh, so he this allowed the story to present him almost as as uh, a representative of an era that was long forgotten and that had almost turned into myth. And it's kind of weird. I realized when I was watching this the first few times I was in a, in, a, in a big movie theater and I was surrounded by kids and by teenagers and I'm suddenly realizing, oh, wait a minute, these guys and girls, girls weren't even born when the first movie came out. So for to them... You know, these stories are myth, are part of, of a, a long-forgotten past. And I'm a relic. I'm, like, sitting there as this old Jedi kind of telling them, well, you know what? It actually happened, these movies. 
you and I are Laura Santeca. In a way, <laughs> yes. In, in that sense, you know, I remember those stories. I remember when she used to be called Princess. <laughs> Indeed. And so to me, this was this became very clear to me what they tried to do um, in the, the that famous trailer, that, like the first full trailer where you see Han Solo uh, talking with Finn and Rey and telling them it's it's real, all of it. And he was the kind of the archetypical non-believer, the 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 Thomas of the of the gospel <laughs> that didn't believe it. And he has seen it, he has touched it, he has experienced it. But now he is confronted with a new generation that knows nothing and kind of has forgotten about it or is incredulous or there's there's a lot of different 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 attitudes that are represented, I think, by the main characters. Um and now he's the one who tries to convince them that, no, it's true. And and Luke Skywalker, just kind of like a messiah that died 2,000 years ago, but he's coming back. You know, we will find him. <laughs> that, that's kind of the, the underlying message or, or theme, I think, of this first movie. And I love it because it's part of what, what the actual franchise is trying to do. It's trying to bring back those old stories and pass them on to a new generation. And, and, uh, and they do that in... Or the movie tries to do that in a way so that it, both the old and the young generation can relate. And I think they, they totally, uh, uh, they, they hit it. <laughs> they did it. Well, as, as we're talking about this, the old generation, one of the things to, that I, I really saw in this was that Han, Leia, and Luke are sort of tragic figures as the movie begins. I mean, so what's happened in the past 30 years? Well, the fans, and, and I was one of these people, thought, oh, well, you know, Han and Leia got married, they have kids, you know, they've gone off to set up a home, and Luke is running the Jedi Academy. And none of that, actually, you know, Han and Leia, you know, got, if they got, you know, if there's marriage, they, they got divorced or they separated anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they had they had a kid, but, uh, and then Luke, you know, he started the Academy, but it ended in tragedy. And, True. and the Luke who, in the uh, tr- original trilogy, who wouldn't give up on his father, apparently gave up on, gave up on everything. I mean, Luke, who just kept driving forward in, in, in Empire and Return of the Jedi, you know, who abandoned his training to go save his friends? He he just he went off. <laughs> he yeah. just left. Um, and and so you have these these three tragic figures at the beginning of this movie, and 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 by the end of it, you know, there's there's hope, at least for two of them, and and one of them who's you know, there, well, I'd say there's hope for the three of them, Han and Leia. There was somewhat of a reconciliation before the end, but you know, there's. There's, there's hope, but the but the bigger hope is embodied in that next generation. Yes, who are who are going to pick up the, you know, the, the 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 banner that that you know apparently the previous generation dropped because they got old and tired or or beat down. You know, and, and the and next generation's here to pick it up. It's really good storytelling because normally, um, kind of the classic way to tell a story is you begin with a status quo that is in harmony, and then something disrupts that harmony. And that's when the call to adventure starts, et cetera. I mean, it's kind of like general plot theory. Um, What George Lucas did when he created A New Hope was um, instead of telling you the status quo, and no, he would plunge you straight in the middle of the conflict. A lot has already happened. You don't know what, but you're right there at the beginning of the conflict. And I think that this is exactly the same 
the same technique of telling the stories. Let, let's just skip all the stuff. Let's just let the comics do that and the novels. And Let's go to the moment where it starts to become really interesting. They got a lead. They have the first indication about the whereabouts of, of Luke Skywalker. And so we see this, this uh, we pan down from the scroll. We see this planet, this blue planet with a moon, and then the silhouette of a Star Destroyer, massive Star Destroyer, coming from below and kind of blotting out the light from the from the planet i think deliberately symbolic <laughs> it's, yes, the, very it's clear. The, the coming darkness and then from that darkness we see a couple of uh, troop ships flying towards us which is kind of in- interesting because why would they fly towards us they are supposed to go to the planet and they and yet especially if you see it in 3d they're flying straight at us so they're flying away from the planet what what's the deal with that <laughs> Well, you know, I think actually that we're being in some senses misled because the blue planet, I don't think is Jakku. I think because Jakku is, you know, it's the classically a desert planet, Mm -hmm. Uh, a blue planet would tend to be uh, have have, uh, you know, you assume it's water. So I'm I'm guessing that was kind of the idea. It was like, oh, look at this blue planet. We're not going there. <laughs> that could <laughs> be. The, yeah, you might be furnace. right. <laughs> it's not explained in a movie, but it, it struck me as like, huh, wait, <laughs> they're going the wrong way. Turn around. <laughs> Which is kind of also a theme in the first act is this, uh, why would you go to Jakku? <laughs> you know, it's like, right, let's exactly. turn around. Let's let's fly away from here. But anyway, so we, we uh, this is, of course, setting up um, the attack on Jakku, on the village. But then we get introduced, and I think to two very interesting characters, um, mm-hmm. uh, also symbolic characters. You've got Poe Dameron, who evokes kind of glory times of the great pilots of the rebellion of the... Uh, and um, gosh, the, the, the fact that we start with a pilot is just awesome because you know there's yes. going to be flying in this. <laughs> and to my mind, not enough. <laughs> oh, I think we will get our share. <laughs> exactly. Uh, what we got was very good. But anyway, and he's talking to this old guy. Uh, we don't know who he is, uh, just that he is an old friend, apparently, of the Resistance or of Princess Leia or whatever. And he, he has the clue. Um, <clears throat> to me, very much a, an Obi-Wan Kenobi kind of archetype. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost a guardian, uh, someone who... Again, he passes something to the new generation. He he resembles he he I think represents the history of Star Wars. He has known Princess Leia. We learn he even knew probably Kylo when he was still a, a kid, and now he's old and he's passing on the one of the important pieces of the puzzle to this young rogue pilot, uh, very self assured, very kind of a Han Solo type character. Um, and uh, what I loved about that little conversation that they have is that at one point BB-8 enters the room. He has, you know, seen the the ships in the distance. So uh, again, kind of evoking the role that the droids play in the original trilogy. Um, mm-hmm. And when I say original trilogy, of course, I mean four, five, and six. Uh, kind of introducing, the, bringing the adventure literally to us and to the main protagonists. And then the reaction of Poe Dameron is. You've you've got to hide, and then um, I always forget his name. <laughs> Lor Santeca. Lor Santeca. I've seen this movie eight times. I still don't remember <laughs> the names. It's kind of dramatic. <laughs> Lord Santeca says, "You got to run." So Poe thinks he needs to protect the old guy, 
Yeah. But it's exactly the opposite. The old guy knows what he's going to do. He's going to sacrifice himself so that Poe and the message can get away. Um, and uh, that that was a very early moment in the movie where I, I'm thinking, oh, big, big theme, sacrifice, self-sacrifice. Right. He knows that he's not going to live to see the day to tell the story. He, he's going to sacrifice himself so Poe and BB-8 can escape. It's uh, Gandalf at the bridges of Casa Doom, you know, facing the Balrog. It's, you know, fly, you fool. Yes. You know, it's that, <laughs> it's that moment where the, the, you know, the, the young, brash, strong fellow, you know, the warrior says to the old fellow, you know, let you know, I'll take care of this. And the old fellow says, Braun is not going to win the day here. Uh, you know, let wisdom and age, uh, you know, uh, take over for this. And, and you, you do your mission. You know, remember, Poe, your mission is to go and bring this piece of the puzzle, the map to where Luke Skywalker is, to bring that back to the resistance. Um, you, you know, we actually kind of skipped one thing, uh, which is, uh, in the crawl, we we are told of two organizations. Um, we don't have primarily the Republic and the Empire. Mm-hmm. We have the First Order and a Resistance. Yes. Um, and the Resistance isn't exactly explained um, to us. So like, why is there still a Resistance, and what's the First Order? I mean, we kind of get that the First Order is the a, sort of the rising. Uh, reorganizing remnant of the empire. Yeah, it's um, the Nazis. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. And the resistance, you know, is... is the, the crawl kind of explains to us that the resistance is connected to the Republic in some way, but it's not an avish, official, um, say, army of the Republic, but sort yeah. of um, under it's getting uh, under-the-table sort of support from from some elements in the, in the Republic. Um, and so... You get the sense that the resistance is even less well equipped than the rebellion was back in the day, and so you've got Poe here, who is, you know, he's he's the the primary fighter. I mean, he leads the the resistance into battle, but he's got to run. He's got to get that that information because that, you know, for some reason, and, and this is kind of one of the mysteries that we're going to have to wonder about: why is it so important that they find one man? What is it that Luke, one man, can do that can defeat the First Order? What is the First Order so afraid of? Well, the big uh, motivation and driving energy of uh, the bad guys in the Star Wars universe is always fear. Fear leads to the dark side. So it starts with fear, and right. I think it's clearly fear that that makes uh, uh, Snoke, uh, Snokes, is it Snokes or? Snoke. <laughs> Snoke. Singular, yes. <laughs> so afraid um, because he feels that, that, that he might be very powerful and look like a giant in that hologram, but um, actually there's someone who's much more powerful, and if he would be back, then that would be could mean the end of of this rising first order but what i also like is that we we kind of um just as we as we get the 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 passing on of the old generation to the young generation the same happens in the political sphere here because these old empires and the old empire passes it on to the first order which is kind of new and young and uh and very confident hasn't learned a thing from the past of course which is very typical for human beings as well in our mm-hmm. own universe and and you've got the the um, 
the resistance, which seems to be kind of like an offspring of the Republic, um, mostly younger people, perhaps much more aware of the danger uh, that is lurking. Whereas we see the old, we get a glimpse of, of, of what the Republic has turned into, and it's not no longer on Coruscant, and it's on another in another planetary system, but it, it looks big and massive and industrial and perhaps way too big to be flexible enough to to stop evil in its tracks and and so i i kind of like it that we go back to the small stuff the this mm-hmm. the small organizations and it's growing it's awakening but it's it's very um far away from the kind of established uh, political organization that we saw in at least in the prequels where it was just everything was political and this is going back mm-hmm. to the kind of the rogue organizations what's well, it's interesting you said awakening because that's really the idea, right? The force awakens. I mean, this is a growing movement, you know, rising up. Yes. Uh, again, you know, w- propelled by the, the the light side of the force, perhaps. Mm-hmm. I've heard that the original title wasn't even the Force Awakens; that they had to change, or they wanted to change it. Yeah, we we actually had talked about that at one point. It was um, uh, 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 fear. It was something about fear. Oh, I think it gosh. was a, kind of a similar title to that kind of spin-off novel thing that they did. Um, the Ancient Fear. That's what it was. Oh, really? Uh, I think so. Uh, I could I could quickly look it up, but um, but it had the same acronym. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, but it was. Um, oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I'm looking at it here. Um, uh, yeah, the Ancient Fear, according to uh, a report on uh, on Ain't It Cool News, uh, that was. I've I've heard another title as well, but anyway, what I love about okay. this title is it's got the force, it's the awakening, uh, kind of a, a rebirth in a certain in a certain way. Uh, it, it it the title itself embodies, I think, what the movie is all about, but also what the new Star Wars, this this new chapter in the history of Star Wars and our history with Star Wars is all about. It's a, a reawakening, yeah. and I can't I can't help but think of the parallels in our own world where these old stories of faith and the, the old books of the Bible, the, the things that made Luke Skywalker want, or Luke Skywalker, <laughs> George <laughs> Lucas, uh, that made him want to, to write this story. He was concerned that people didn't read these old books anymore, that, that faith wasn't passed on and the values that were connected to all these different world religions. And so he just basically tried to take the, the best off <laughs> of all these religions <laughs> and what do they have in common and turn that into a new story to pass it on and this movie is trying to do the same and we are trying to do the same as uh, mm-hmm. you know there, there's this older generation of the faithful that are just as concerned as let's say a han solo luke uh, luke skywalker princess leia they feel like like they 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 failed um th- nobody talks about about faith anymore about the light side or the dark side and and that is dangerous because if you don't have the light side anymore, if nobody believes in the force anymore, how can you, how can you fight the darkness? Um, that is a, a, a very, very alluring force that can take young people by surprise, and et cetera. Et cetera. So it's, 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 I love the, the kind of the meta story that this movie is telling. Um, so we get this uh, feeling that there is a big, big backstory to... Um, uh, to to uh, uh, Max von Sydow's character, Lor Santeca. I'm, I'm pretty sure that this will be developed in um, 
in 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 uh, the novels and the comics, and we already know a little bit mm-hmm. from the novelization. Uh, but what do you think is the story? Because if he has known Kylo from when he was young, could he be related to uh, uh, to to the family? Is he uh, like a n- old knight of the round table? <laughs> what what kind of <laughs> archetype is he? Well, in in one of the official um, uh, print publications, one I think intended for kids, I think it was a visual dictionary of uh, St- uh, the Force Awakens. Uh, it refers to him as a member of the Church of the Jedi, which is would be very huh. interesting since we don't actually hear we, we've never really heard about churches in Star Wars. I mean, there are the Jedi Temple where the Jedi gather, mm-hmm. but it's never been really a religion. So that's a sort of an interesting new thing. I'm not sure what it means, but uh, I gather he's not a Force user, but is the the, the Jedi probably had a, a lot of people you know around them in in the organization mm-hmm. uh, who were not themselves Force users, but were people who wanted to serve those who use the force i'm guessing you know i mean he could have been part of the par- worked in, part of in the, the jedi par- temple part of the parish council that works with the priests <laughs> <laughs> i mean something like that you know he could have been you know a, a high level uh, person in in the in the Je- you know who worked with the jedi order with the jedi knights um uh, to serve them you know and then when when order 66 came down uh you know went into hiding he could have been someone who also um you know, worked with Luke in in that that beginning of the Jedi Academy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's. I think there's. I think to me that's sort of the possibilities. Um, it, it's really clear to me that he's an old, you know, an old friend, an old um, counselor. Um, f- uh, you know, who worked with with uh, General Organa Leia. The, but the big question to me is: is what's he doing on Jakku, and yeah. why was why right. was the 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 final piece to the puzzle? With him, that means, for if he has the final piece of the puzzle, it means he was a very trusted person for Luke. Yes. Um, well, he's but, a, he's a guardian. He's definitely a, a, an archetype right. of, of the guardian. Let's say the guardians of the Holy Grail or whatever you want. <laughs> uh, but he, I mean, the the little piece that USB drive is is kind of the Holy Grail. It's the thing that will bring them to right. Luke to the to the to the savior. Well, um, what's the other thing that he's guarding though? And I wonder if. I mean, is it a coincidence that Ray is also on Jakku, mm-hmm. as, you know, along with Lor Santeca? So, yeah. is this really an Obi Wan situation? Could be that, com- that goes into our theories about Ray. Yeah, <laughs> I love that 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 they keep that uh, a mystery. Um, but let's let's not go there right away because we first get some very gruesome scenes of the attack on the village. Um, the stormtroopers are so much more violent. And yes. so much. I mean, the first order—they definitely uh, gave them some shooting lessons. It's uh, it's scary. Um, it 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 also had the whole way in which they filmed this at night with the 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 clouds and the fire. It was wow. I was like, small kids are going to be very uh, uh, impressed by this, or perhaps even scared. Yeah, yeah. I um, that's why I haven't shown, uh, taken my kids to see it. I'm waiting for the Blu-ray so that I can uh, pause or fast forward <laughs> as needed. <laughs> yes. Um, but, but one thing about this scene, um, right off the bat, we go back to an older style of portraying the, the stormtroopers. In A New Hope, the stormtroopers are much more individual and human. Uh, in, in later on, in the Empire, I think even so, but especially in the prequels, 
the stormtroopers became robotic. They just became a faceless crowd. Yes. Um, uh, almost like the 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 the, the uh, droid army in in the mm-hmm. prequels. Uh, but we're back to these are these are people. They have emotions. They have individual characteristics. I mean, of course, none more so than Finn. But still, you know, it's it brings it home when a stormtrooper dies. It's it you know as he, as they do right away. It's a person in there who's dying, um, and so it's it, it's it's a much. It's, I think it's a much different feel, and it's it's a real throwback uh, to the to a new hope uh, than we've had before. Well, and it's very interesting that they choose a stormtrooper to become one of the leads to to personalize this this otherwise very almost CGI army. This could have been done completely in CGI, like like the battle droids. I had no connection mm-hmm. with the battle droids in the prequels because, well, they're just stupid droids. Um, and even the stormtroopers, uh, uh, or, uh, well, the, the, clone, the clone wars already tried to do this, especially the animated mm-hmm. series where they try to yes. show us the faces behind the masks and that their individualities and their personalities. And I think that they kind of do the same here with the classical stormtroopers. Um, but to pick one and to make him a hero, a, a defector and a traitor, but at the same time a hero, I love that. It's, it's again, it's yeah. a conversion story, and Star Wars is full of conversion stories. Um, it's also this whole symbolism of the evil masks itself. Stormtroopers are masked. Masked. Kylo Ren, when we when he first comes down the ramp, he totally evokes a, a kind of a mix of, of Darth Vader and the Emperor with the cloak and the mask and the voice that is uh, tr- uh, distorted. Again, mm-hmm. why is it distorted? Well, because it, it, it kind of subconsciously tells us that his mind is, is warped and, and distorted. He doesn't want to show his face. He can't really speak the truth anymore. Uh, it's all behind the mask. And so the heroes will actually take their masks off. There is a, a kind of an mm-hmm. un- unveiling of, of who are these people. And, and that's a very important theme in this movie. It's like, let's show us the people behind the masks. Well, it's very interesting you say that because eventually Kylo Ren takes off his mask. Yes. And it, and it makes me wonder what that means for that character going forward. What will we see in the future movies now that he spends, you know, in the latter part of the movie, more time without the mask than with it? So it's, a, it's an interesting conundrum. Well, and he uh, takes off the mask, the mask in very important scenes um, mm-hmm. where it's all about the connection. Is, is the connection between Rey and, and Kylo, but also Han and Kylo later on with the final, you know, touching the face of Kylo. And it's mm-hmm. so that's there for a purpose. Um, it's also so we can relate more because, <laughs> right. well, a mask, that's not going to give us a, a whole wide range of emotions. Uh, that's kind of the problem that a lot of people had with uh, Captain Phasma is why would you hire yeah. such a great actress and not show her face? Um, that would actually have helped probably her role. If, But mm-hmm. then again, uh, you can only do so many unmaskings <laughs> before it starts to become a cliche. And she is on the cast list for yeah. the episode eight. You know, one thing I love that uh, that they did was the voice of Kylo Ren is different from Darth Vader's. And it's, I don't know what it is, but it's a little more human. Um, and they, they compress it and distort it. Yes. But it's still got this, I don't know, this depth to it. It sounded like a cheap podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not like one of ours. I, I must have been using Skype. What do you mean? Mask. What do you mean? <laughs> 
<laughs> That's all it was. He was just having a bad Skype connection the, the whole time. <laughs> um, the um, uh, the confrontation uh, between Kylo and Poe Dameron, I thought was was brilliant, especially that yes. moment where where Poe shoots <laughs> and then that laser beam freezes in the air. It shows the incredible raw power of Kylo Ren and something that we've not seen before in Star yeah. Wars. Neither Darth Vader nor the Emperor ever held a, a a blazer bolt motionless in the air. So it we see that and we're kind of like, whoa, this guy, this guy, you know, has he got more raw power? Is mm-hmm. he tapped into something new? I mean, that was astonishing. The confrontation between Poe and Kylo was also really interesting. It, when you consider, we we know from some official sources that Poe was. Um, <laughs> He was conceived at the the celebration after the Battle of Endor mm-hmm. between two uh, rebel soldiers, and kind of grew up uh, around the leaders of the resistance. Which mean Kylo and Poe had to have known each other as children, um, and maybe maybe Poe doesn't actually realize who Kylo Ren is, or they don't recognize each other, or maybe they do. But but it's this interesting. It, it, when you think about that, it makes this scene a little more interesting, especially when Poe kind of starts off with a joke, you know, like, yeah. uh, you know, uh, uh, how does this work? Do I talk first? Do you talk first? <laughs> <laughs> Which always moment. makes pe- people laugh in the, in the, in the, in the theater. <laughs> well, it sort of really breaks the tension. You know, like you're yes. expecting some dramatic thing and it really is. It's really neat. It, it, it uh, it's almost as if they were old classmates and, uh, <laughs> kind of that, that behavior that they had in school. <laughs> it's like, so you talk, right. I talk. <laughs> Poe doesn't really take it too seriously. It's also part of his character. He's supposed to be the hero who's not afraid of anyone. Again, it's fear versus total lack of fear and humor mm-hmm. versus you know, no humor whatsoever. Um, right. uh, George Lucas loved to play with these contrasts and so does J.J. Abrams, clearly. Um. Then we have, uh, of course, the the brutal murder, which surprised me. I did not expect mm-hmm. this to happen of the villagers. Um, it's a it's a very cold blooded execution, and then we uh, uh, we see that uh, there's this one stormtrooper um, who who can't, who is just too overwhelmed by everything that he sees, and mm-hmm. uh, despite the fact that he's probably been training for for years and years for his first battle, you know, being there and seeing it with your own eyes. Uh, I, I, I keep thinking of, oh, perhaps they trained them with uh, video games. And this is the first time, I mean, and he was, he might have been fantastic with those games and shooting, but then he, it's for real and it's much more complicated. Just as he struggles with the controls of that TIE fighter later on is like, wow, uh, yeah, this is, this is hard. <laughs> <laughs> and that, Seems to be Again, the constant confrontation of, of Finn and reality, and it's so different right. from what he thinks. In his mind, he's, he lives this fairy tale story. He's, he's a soldier. He's brave. He's with the resistance. He's, you know, a, a, a knight in, in shining white armor. And then it's like, wait a minute. Girls are different. <laughs> They're not supposed to act like this. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's it's interesting. We we go back to some of the um, the ancillary material that that is official canon. There's a a, a book uh, intended for young adult readers that kind of talks about uh, Finn's training and mm-hmm. that um, he was in a group of a handful of of young stormtroopers who trained together. Uh, and one of them one of them wasn't as good as the others and and had difficulty and was always messing up and. 
and apparently that's that was the one that he who gets killed right off the bat and leaves the bloody handprint on his on his helmet and you can understand like you know he it's just you know war is chaotic it's crazy it's it, it it's an assault on the senses and then to see someone who you care about very much die right off the bat yeah. i could see how that would you know that would set you back it would un, you know uh, upend everything that you know and who, who you are but some of this also it looks at you know Maybe there's something just fundamentally different about some people that that they can't or won't serve evil, mm-hmm. uh, you know. That, that even though you've been brought up and trained to, yeah, you could almost say that people have a conscience. No matter how you try to corrupt that, uh, with some mm-hmm. people, that that conscience will be too strong, and it will always, you know, at one point emerge and take the upper hand. That's what you see here. Even though they, the kind of the 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 they play with the theme of the Spartans, you know, these these warriors that were trained from birth and, and brainwashed and everything. And, and, and apparently that's kind of how we discover, I think, I think the, the strength of, of Finn. Uh, he, even though he has his flaws, which I like, but uh, the, the very deep down inside, there's a good guy. And, and, yes. and they did not kill that, um, which might have happened with a lot of other stormtroopers. Um, and uh, I, I love that. There are two things that I loved about this first uh, uh, sequence, and that is um, the fact that we we get his emo- emotion, even though nobody takes the helmet off. It's it's done. We only see masked stormtroopers that we've seen thousands of times, and yet there is so much emotion in that one moment where the hand reaches stretches out, and you've got the bloody marks, and you can totally tell what's going on, and you feel right. for for the stormtrooper. And then there's this other scene where Kylo Ren looks at him and he's just standing there. He has not shot. Uh, and, uh, and you can tell that um, Finn is, must be scared to death, which is in the novelization. They, they kind of expand on that quite a bit. Um, and, but Kylo Ren just feels that, wait a minute there, I sense the light side. That's what I think happened. He, he right. has an antenna, which we see later on as well during his prayer to to his grandfather. Um, like he feels the pull of the light side. He still has antennas for that. So he too, and that's what I kind of like, between, kind of the similarities between the character of Finn and Kylo, is that they both have something pure that has not been corrupted. Um, but Kylo is just is further down the down the drain. Mm. <laughs> he has almost lost uh, his humanity, but it's still there. There is still good in him. Otherwise, he wouldn't be able to recognize it. You know, that's one of the overarching themes, isn't it? That there's always that, that there's always redemption. There's always a chance of the of good winning out, even in the worst possible people. You know, if when I was when I was you know eight nine years old watching Star Wars, if you told me that that Darth Vader would turn out to be a good guy in the end. Yeah, uh, spoilers. Uh, that that uh, you know, I would I would never believe you. I mean, Darth Vader was the embodiment of evil. He was you know he was scary evil. Um, but there was but you know as Luke, who despite everyone, uh, you know, telling him otherwise, I I sense the good in him. He is still good. He never gave up on the good. And that there's always a chance of redemption. That's I think that's an overarching theme throughout Star Wars. Yes, yes, and. Um it, it remains to be seen how that will play out for Kylo Ren. Um, we'll, we'll certainly talk about that uh, in, in, in the rest of our discussion. But um, what I think is what they what is very interesting is that they did not 
want to make Kylo Ren just another pure evil bad guy. He is conflicted. He is still in the middle of figuring out who he is and who he needs to be and wants to be. And he's been he's been corrupted. But does it mean that it's all bad? And But it, it also doesn't tell us that he will end up being a good guy or that he will be redeemed. Nothing is certain anymore in this universe, right. I think. And that makes it interesting to watch. I yes. mean... So anyway, uh, you get that. Nothing happens, uh, but Kylo Ren knows there is something with this stormtrooper, and he will remember uh, straight away later on. Then we get the classic um, gatekeeper sequence. So uh, in the story, in the, the journey of the hero, there are always these gatekeeper figures and events that will prevent you from reaching your goal as a hero. And for Poe, it's definitely that moment that his... Uh, X-Wing fighter is destroyed and he's been captured. And so, well, he was there to save the day. And now it's BB-8. It's it's a small droid, kind of a really unassuming. He's like half the size of R2-D2. And R2 was already a small droid. So again, it's kind of this Hobbit-like character that is going to <laughs> save the day. And I like that. It's this droid that there must be tons of droids like that. Um, and, and it's the smallest droid in the entire Star Wars universe, uh, except for the mouse droids, but they're <laughs> traitors, <laughs> um, that will actually save the day instead of the, the, the rogue pilot. And again, I love, I love that symbolism. In fact, I mean, it's always the droids have been integral to not just as comic relief or, or a narrative device, but they've been integral to, to the plot, to the to. To success, you know, without R2, without C3PO, even without BB-8, you know, everything would be lost. Every, you know, they would, they would never would have destroyed the first Death Star. I mean, it's yep. so the the, it's interesting how the you know these characters with personalities, uh, but yet who are not, you know, living natural beings, uh, you know, are so integral to everything. Uh, you know, so it's 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 really kind of neat to see that continue in this movie where BB-8 is. So full of personality uh, and plays such a key role. I I loved I loved uh, the way they played him uh, or her. I think some some people have said that uh, BB is supposed to be uh, <laughs> a, a, f- a feminine in some some I, way. I, I think don't know. only Han Solo got it right. Ball, <laughs> ball, <laughs> ball go exactly. away, ball. <laughs> <laughs> but I I love the personality. It felt it felt childlike. Yes, uh, which which was really uh, a nice, especially since R two and C three PO are ancient mm-hmm. <laughs> by this point. Yeah, yeah, they're uh, kind so. of like the grumpy two guys from from uh, the Muppet Show. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, <laughs> <laughs> bickering amongst themselves. And BB eight has something r- refreshing. And uh, oh yeah, he definitely stole the heart of everyone in uh, in the theater. Um, so he he. Two starts a journey. Uh, so even even BB-8 has a story arc, uh, which is great. Every everything in this movie has been thought out. There is not a single thing that happens without a without a purpose, which I think is also what makes this movie so good. There's n- they cut out all the extra fluff. This is not a four hour, you know, Peter Jackson like what what <laughs> what else can we do? <laughs> and, and it doesn't have that overabundance of special effects and and aliens that we saw in the revisions of of the Star Wars movies by George Lucas. This is just, we see what we need to see, and it works. Um, uh, And I applaud them for that, because the the pressure on them to do more aliens and more special effects because of the toys must have been tremendous. (laughs) So the, um, the final thing that we see is the confrontation between Captain Phasma 
and Finn. And this is a this is one of the moments that we saw in the trailer where he takes off his helmet. Um, that too is so symbolic. It's like he takes off his helmet and we see his face and he's distressed. He's sweating. I, the the conversation, which kind of interesting between him and Phasma, they kind of cut back and forth and later on and um, there, there's a little bit of a continuity problem. I don't know if you've noticed it, but in some shots uh, he's sweating <laughs> because he's had yeah. the helmet on and other uh, scenes there's no sweat at all and then he's sweating again. So there must be a real <laughs> strange humidity thing going on there. <laughs> but um, I like it because that that's when we get introduced to every introduction of a new character um, even even with the Millennium Falcon is 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 kind of a, a, an unveiling. It's like oh, takes off the helmet. That's our hero. That's that's the mm-hmm. face that we can connect to. Um, Captain Phasma keeps on the helmet. I think deliberately because here it's the it's the confrontation between the stormtrooper that became human and that other you know leader uh, who actually gave the order to kill the entire village or to well yeah gave the the final order uh, to the soldiers to uh, to kill off everyone in that village mm-hmm. so it's it's a, another classic contrast that George Lucas loved between um let's say the softer side and the and the hard lines you've got the chrome reflective defensive mm-hmm. and then that vulnerability of uh, of of Finn um, yeah, the, the 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 idea of, you know in here is that stormtroopers are never to take their helmet off, uh, apparently outside of their barracks or something like that. Um, yeah. and it's that facelessness apart from the officers, but there's this enforced facelessness. Yeah. They're not supposed to be uh, human. Exactly, they're not supposed to even talk to each other. We see uh, in the novelizations like the the that the the idea that they would talk to each other unnecessarily is is ver- is forbidden. Uh, so it's it's this it's you know the 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 empire and the first order and the dark side dehumanizes. Well, and, and, and this is the first step, uh, literally the moment where he takes off his helmet, where he is starting this path towards liberation to freedom, literally because his name is FN twenty one eighty seven, which was the number of the prison cell that held Princess Leia almost symbolic of the prison in which it, that is surrounding him in 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 that costume that that uh, helmet that he has to wear and he takes it off and he gets a new name and so it's basically freedom he's no longer a prisoner of the system he becomes uh, an individual which i think is very again very modern we we like that kind of stuff like oh we can be ourselves individual uh we um so this movie also modernizes i think a lot of the of the story beats, uh, the classic story beats of Star Wars. And I then wonder, we, yeah. uh, I was just going to say, uh, speaking of FN 2187, I wonder, it might be a stretch to say, uh, if the name Finn that he receives has a relationship to Huck Finn, the, 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 the Mark Twain story of the, the boy who, you know, with, who with the escaped slave goes mm-hmm. off to freedom. He frees himself from the conventions of, that had held him back in the past. I like I, I'm that. curious whether yeah. that was, you know, uh, even a tiny element in the in the in in the the script. I like uh, it. The, the I, I kind of imagine that that. Uh, well, no, because Huckleberry Finn wasn't written yet. This is a long time ago. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, was, I know, I know. No, I was thinking. Well, perhaps he read the book uh, when he was young, Poe, uh, Poe Dameron, and he's like, ah, oh, that's like me and him. That's like. <laughs> 
<laughs> but uh, uh, it will probably turn out to be the opposite. And uh, the writer of Huckleberry Finn has read this ancient story <laughs> of, a, of a, a liberated slave. And well, anyway, so we then go to uh, uh, the introduction of Ray. And again, first image that we see is straight from the trailer. Uh, very powerful. It's a masked person. It's in a, a kind of a semi it's darkness and light. We see some some rays of light. I don't know if that's deliberate. We see dust. It's very dust. It's old. We're in the, we're in the uh, in the belly of the monster. Um, classic, classic mythological um, element that we see in almost every single Star Wars uh, movie. Um, there's always this this, and and it represents. It's not just a cool. Uh, a cool setting for the story of Ray to begin, but this is literally, uh, I, I think, a, a reference to, or not literally, metaphorically. <laughs> this evokes <laughs> the story of the of Jonah and the whale. This is a we're talking about a rebirth. There's mm -hmm. a new hero that's going to be born from from. It's going to walk out of the belly of this monster and 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 greet the sunlight and start a new adventure, uh, but it starts within this dusty old carcass of a star destroyer, um, and she's picking she's picking the 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 pieces. She's a scavenger, which again I love because Ray is a metaphor of J.J. Abrams. He went back to the old dusty stories and picked out the elements that are valuable to put them into something new yeah and in 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 the other aspect is is like you know they're living off the last vestiges that the the old carcass of the empire essentially and she's going to journey from from that lowly place to new heights to so by mm -hmm. the end she's literally standing on the heights yes with you know in in sunlight uh, surrounded by she goes from a desert to surrounded by a water i mean yep. it's this her journey goes from the depths of the of of of, of the evil yeah. to the heights of good true true and from poverty to a certain abundance from uh, a kind of a, an abandoned situation to friends. Uh, there is her story is perhaps the 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 richest story when it comes to contrasts. Uh, what I also like is she's alone. Uh, she se she seems extremely tiny. The the moment you get that overview of where she is, and especially in three D, is like oh, wow. And there's so much depth in that scene. And then she she jumps from that kind of slanted pipe that she's been pillaging, and she grabs this cable. Uh, lots of like all uh, oh, subtle references to what Luke Skywalker did when in the Death Star, mm -hmm. you know, like the sw swinging over the the chasm. She does the same thing. Um, it's it's also, I think, deliberately showing how small she is, uh, which is even uh, emphasized even more when she when she stands there in front of that huge mass massive engine, which is actually one of the first things that we saw in Star Wars in in Episode mm -hmm. Four. It's, it's the back of that Star Destroyer and see that, that engine. And now she's standing there and she's tiny, tiny. <laughs> and she's squeezing out the last drops of water. Um, and it's all to emphasize her humble beginnings, which is essential to the mythological storytelling that they try to do. There's oh, The hero is usually a, a, an unassuming, small, 
character uh, might be very uh, devious or smart, but still completely dwarfed by the world around her in, in which he or, uh, or she is going to be finally the, the, the savior. Uh, and I, I was thinking back of, of Bilbo, of Frodo, literally small creatures that are still going to save the entire Middle Earth. Um, Luke Skywalker, very similar. Uh, it's just this farmer boy. But there is also always a backstory to this. Think of the story of Moses, um, who actually turns out to to uh, you know to, to have a very special background that, that we don't know. He's kind of a mystery, and he's been brought up at the court of the pharaoh. So there's kind of a royal lineage. Luke Skywalker, uh, Princess Leia, kind of similar. They they have a hidden past, and with Rey, it's it's clear that there's much more to her. But it's still shrouded in mystery. But there, uh, we we get glimpses in this movie that that there is much more to this girl than just you know the I'm nobody that she says in the trailer. And unfortunately, we didn't get to hear in this movie. There are That's tons true. of awesome things in the trailer that were mm. not in this movie. That they they, they mm. changed it, like the handing over of the lightsaber to to Leia, and that's it's all changed. Mm. That's the way. You know, the, these movie change has changed uh, even during the process of filming and potentially even editing. Um, so she uh, jumps on her kind of like floating tractor because that's <laughs> I think what it's supposed to evoke, um, and heads to Unkar Plot, uh, who is kind of a junk boss. He is kind of a a, a, a massive version of Watu. dealing in junk right yes and she is not really his slave but very similar to the relationship between anakin and watu uh totally but the only difference is she has nothing to protect she's alone right whereas uh anakin had his mother and and everything he did uh was to help his mother so it's kind of cool that that it is ray who actually gets someone to care about and it's BB-8. Mm-hmm. That becomes her pet or baby. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the first time she meets a friend. Yeah, and unwanted at first. I mean, she, oh, yeah. it's you, you see the nobility in her when she goes out to rescue BB-8. I mean, why should she care that somebody's, you know, got, gone and captured a, a, a stray droid? You know, But there's there's some sort of nobility in her. She sees something in, in even in BB-8 that, you know, a small creature... Who you know being bu- bullied and bossed? Yes, and she stands up for it. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think there's there's also um, another aspect to this, and that is, uh, BB-8 represents the call to adventure, uh, story wise. He literally carries the key to the entire story, and he wants to involve her in the story. And her first reaction is no. <laughs> she even says it with that <laughs> British accent, like no, <laughs> go back, <laughs> and. Um, it's it's uh, the initial refusal of the call to adventure, which is also classic. Think of Luke Skywalker. Um, you know, I can't go. <laughs> I gotta help my 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 uncle with the the next harvest, and <laughs> that's your uncle speaking. Uh, <laughs> it's the same reluctance that we see with Daisy Ridley's character with Ray. She doesn't want to get involved. She has actually a, a very good reason not to get involved in in any adventure because we, we learn later that she is she, – she wants to stay on Jakku because she's waiting. She has been waiting for many, many years. She's been traumatized 
by the abandonment of her parents or caretakers. Um, and that is something that she overcomes in this movie, I think, because of friendship. Uh, mm -hmm. But but it's a, I, I thought it was a very subtle thing. The more I watched the movie, the more I admired the way this was written and acted. Uh, that she, the moments that the moments that she's truly vulnerable is not when she's in danger, uh, because every time uh, Finn, <laughs> most of all the the our our fairy tale knight, he's like, uh, "Are you okay?" And then she's like, "Yeah," <laughs> as if like, <laughs> "Duh, sure I am." So there's there's nothing that can scare her but one thing, and that is to be left alone to be abandoned that's why she's so emotional when she hears from bb8 or from no from chewy that was finn's idea to go back and retrieve her uh right. from the ice planet um because that's when she feels that this is someone who really came back for me just as her parents in her dreams are, are were, were coming back one day you know, the, in all the theories about Ray, her origins, what's her her backstory, the one thing that they that they all have to explain, and and that they will eventually have to, uh, and I and I don't know how they will explain it, is why was she abandoned? Why was she left there? Because as we'll see in her vision, you know, she's not, you know, it's not like she's necessarily orphaned. And someone hands her off uh, and leaves her, and yes. she has this overriding belief. For some reason, that they're coming back, whether it's a whether it's a belief based in fact or just wish, uh, wishing it it were so. But the 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 key difference between her and Luke is when Luke doesn't want to go, it's because he's he wanted to leave, but suddenly when he's presented with the opportunity, there's sort of a fear of change. Whereas Ray's is it's not that I fear change; it's that I'm I'm looking, you know, I, I'm afraid. Well, what I'm afraid of is that I'll be gone when they come back. Yes. Yes, and, and that's really where the, the the I mean, in fact, she, in some ways, she has a better reason to be afraid than Luke did. But it's also um, something that she that is part of her personal story arc that she needs to overcome. She basically has to learn to let go of her family. Uh, it's part of her call to 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 adventure. It's it's kind of like the calling of a Jedi who has to leave behind family and friends, and mm -hmm. even leave behind the, the perhaps the the idea of having a life and a family and a and a wife and kids, to to dedicate themselves to this noble vocation of being a Jedi and protecting the universe. And in a way, I think that with Rey, I wouldn't even be too upset if they never explained it. What what mm. what matters to me is that it is holding her back for a long time in this story. It's making her vulnerable, and uh, you, we see this strong girl. And I, it's, Ray is a fantastic female character. It's a belief I think a believable strong female character without ex making her turning her, her into a kind of a male type of hero. Um, but every hero needs to have an Achilles heel which is very important for what comes later in the story, you know, because if the characters stay who they are, we don't have a story. This needs, the status quo must be threatened. So what is everyone's kind of like stumbling stone? And I think that they, what they establish here in this first movie is her biggest fear is being left alone, of missing the moment that her parents come back, that something like, it tells me that they are setting something up that that might actually be part of, of, the, of the test that she will have to undergo, which is part of the hero's journey is like, 
Okay, when you're confronted with your biggest fears, uh, what are you going to do? Are you going to uh, let fear take over um, and lure you to the dark side? Or are you going to sacrifice it and give it up? And I think that that is, you see this, this, this whole theme of, of, of relationships and family. I mean, how, how horrible is it that our, this sympathetic girl who is so good for everyone, is strong, is courageous, has no family, has been abandoned. Where's this bad guy, this Kylo Ren, this jerk? <laughs> he, he's got the greatest parents in the universe. Who wouldn't, who wouldn't just give up everything to have Han Solo as a father and, and Leia as a mother? Oh my god. And look as your uncle. <laughs> and look as your uncle. How cool is that? <laughs> and Chewie as a kind of a, 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 a friend. But it's, it's so, you know, bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people, apparently. The universe isn't fair. Uh, and, and, and there's this beautiful kind of contrast or opposites between Kylo and, and, and Ray in all these different areas, uh, especially, you know, family. And uh, I think that Ray would give up everything to be Kylo Ren at that moment on the ramp and, and, and embrace her father. And, and there's this great scene. And that's where Kylo, by the way, takes off his helmet. He tells her that, you know, you, you, Han Solo is your substitute father, the father you, you didn't have. But you know, fathers aren't that good, that great. I mean, he wasn't such a great father, or something like that. Um, so anyway, um, the, um, uh, the Unker Plot, uh, who is uh, coming back later on, that vision. He has a kind of weird relationship to her. Um, in in the novelization, it gets downright creepy. The the, yes. the novel describes him as someone who is kind of looking at Ray with a uh, kind of very very um, muddled intentions. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't that that didn't come across like to uh, like that to me in in the movie. And I also think it's a bit strange that that she's entrusted to Uncle Plot, and then you know who is he? Is he like a temporary uh, caretaker of her, or have we? Is it right. is, perhaps it isn't Uncle Plot? Perhaps we're, but we're we're meant to believe that it is him, but it might be his father or whatever, <laughs> or his brother or sister. Who knows? <laughs> um. So she. Uh, oh, the, another interesting thing is um, when we get introduced to to Ray, she lives in the past. Literally, she lives mm -hmm. in the on the inside of an ATAT. Um, she she we saw her on the inside of a star destroyer. I think that what what it conveys is she holds on to the past. That's her that's her world. She's not ready for the adventure yet. And BB-8 is a brand new shiny mm -hmm. droid, pulling her out of that old stuck situation. And she's literally stuck there, like sand in the helmet. And the helmet is a relic of that old time. And and she keeps thinking back instead of looking to the future. She's like, uh, Luke's, well, like, oh, now that I've mentioned it, it's kind of the opposite of Luke, who always looked <laughs> to the future right. and never where he was. Exactly. Uh, she looks to the past and doesn't, doesn't seem to recognize what she's supposed to do. Well, it's the same problem. It's just in a different direction. You know, both of them are never present in the moment, as as Yoda would instruct them to be. Yeah. You know, live live in the now, not stop living. You know, in the future or in the past, mm -hmm. but live. 
you know, with what's in front of you right now. Yeah. Um, I like what she says to BB-8 uh, when she's chasing away Taito. Um, oh, he, he, uh, he just wants you for your part. Also implying that she looks at the entire person, or in this case, the entire droid. She's not <laughs> interested in parts or just monetary gain. Um, she looks at the, the, the total picture, which is kind of funny because she's, she's, she's like that too. She, she's also a scavenger who normally looks at stuff like, what can it bring me? And she has that very short moment of, 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 of uh, temptation when she is offered, what is it, 60 units, food units? Yeah. For BB-8, and then she realizes, oh, wait a minute, I just told this droid that, uh, you know, I care for you as a droid and not just <laughs> as a collection of parts. But it's also, I think, again, beautiful message that the heroes look at the world around them, at the people that surround them, not for just what can that person, how can that person be of interest to me, but they look at, you know, who is this person? And and, and she's she's treating a droid like that, so that that shows i think her uh, her good character and um uh she she also unbends bb8's antenna mm -hmm. um a little so she's the helper of bb8 she they start helping each mm -hmm. other uh fulfilling the mission um the uh we get the mention of the sinking sands which we will see later uh to be a real threat I thought it was mm -hmm. just one of those throwaway lines, but then we see later <laughs> on that, oh, those sinking sands are very dangerous. Um, and uh, well, anyway, we, we already discussed kind of that uh, don't follow me and the town is that way and their initial kind of reluctance to be involved with the BB-8. Um, mm -hmm. Poe Dameron uh, is broken by Kylo Ren. Um, uh, I, I, I loved how they used colors in this movie to uh, create the contrast between the world of the good people and the bad guys. The interior of the Star Destroyer is all very blue, extremely sharp. I, I heard the, the cinematographer even used another type of lens for the uh, Star Destroyer scenes and everything that had to do with the Empire. So he used a very mm. kind of sharp precise but cold lens and for the outdoor scenes uh, in Abu Dhabi etc uh, they use softer lenses um, mm. very interesting that, that again shows um, how how well they thought about every single aspect of this uh, of this movie um, so we get that Kylo Ren um, one of the things that he constantly does is is uh, going over other people's boundaries whereas ray respects mm -hmm. uh, the integrity of that droid of the people mm -hmm. around her uh kylo violates people he enters their minds it's it's kind of gruesome and the, the way he does it is 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 you feel it's wrong you're not supposed right. to enter that domain that's private what happens in other people's minds and it's it's a power that we've seen kind of hinted at in previous Star Wars movies, like sometimes Leia could sense what's going on in Luke's mind, etc. But but it seems to me that Kylo has been trained to exploit this 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 what it, probably on the light side of the Force is empathy, and a very very strong developed feeling of like what another person, 
is feeling, but be, so you can be compassionate. And Kylo uses that gift or mm -hmm. that charism to extract people uh, thoughts from people against their will and, and violate their integrity. Yeah, Darth Vader does this uh, more subtly with Luke in the final battle uh, in the throne room in Return of the Jedi. Yeah. You know, uh, he reads Luke's thoughts and emotions, mm -hmm. but it's it's le it's less violent uh, in the, in that sense. You get a less you know. Whereas whereas Darth Vader was always a scalpel. I mean, sometimes he was a sometimes he was a sledgehammer, but you get the sense <laughs> that he was skilled. Yes. Where, whereas Kylo Ren, you, you sense raw power. But he wields it like like a machete, like you know, he just it's kind of hacks at it, and so he, you know, rather than extracting the information, he he dives in and tears it out, you know, and you see it in Poe's face as you know the pain of it being extracted from him, uh, and, and, and and so it's it's you see this and it's it's symbolized in the lightsabers, you know, whereas uh, Darth Vader had a regular you know red lightsaber. You know, Kylo's is barely restrained. You expect the thing to, you know, spark off and explode at any moment. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's 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 a it's it's like a bizarro version. It's a you know, maybe poorly constructed or well, over overclocked. <laughs> an overclocked computer. I think it's explained by the fact that he didn't that the crystal that he uses is not pure enough. And uh the crystals in the lightsabers are a reflection of the soul, I think, of the one who, who carries it. That's why it takes so long to create a lightsaber. It's because mm -hmm. you first need to be pure yourself before you can create it, either pure in the dark side or pure in the light side. And the fact that this lightsaber is so kind of like edgy and, and, and not pure, it, it, it's a symbolism of, of what's happening in his mind. He's kind of like, like as the lightsaber, as the laser beams are split, he himself is split. It goes in all directions, this, this power. And there must have been a tremendous capacity to love, to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. and, and you can tell that the, the force, and that's, that's another thing that struck me, that they go back to, to talking about the force almost as if it's personal. The force is uh, trying to lure him to the light side to bring because he could be an asset for the light side, and uh, and and then the dark side pulls at him as well. As well, so yeah, if you're not strong enough, <laughs> that, that, that's not a very good place to be in. Um, we also get the introduction of the the. Um, a, a concept or a, a contrast that we saw in the original trilogy between the four sensitive people like Darth Vader and then you have the soldiers, the, the, the professional generals and lieutenants and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, and there is always tension in Star Wars. Uh, like like the discussion in, in with uh, Tarkin and the other uh, officers and uh, you with your old <laughs> you know hokey religion and and, and, <laughs> and myths and then Darth Vader being I'll let you feel this old ancient myth um, and they seem to to try to do the same here uh, where uh, what's his name the um, uh, General Hux uh, General Hux is. Is constantly in a sort of rivalry with Kylo Ren. He knows that Kylo has the ear of uh, uh, of uh, uh, Snoke, um, but he also wants to constantly prove that well, the military way is the best way, and uh, these force type force types are not entirely reliable because they, you know, they're they're not constant. 
Better use clone it's, clone armies. <laughs> well, that seems to be a tactic of the dark side is to is to create division. Uh, you know the so that the the master or the leader you know he retains his power by creating division and forcing the underlings to compete uh, against one another, weakening each other while trying to advance, which is the weakness of the dark side. Why they keep losing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because they weaken themselves in order, you know, because they sacrifice the good of the many. Uh, in in this when in this case, I mean good as in the their goal. They they weaken their attempt to reach their goal, uh, which is the, for the many, be, in order to hold on power for the one. Uh, I know I'm mixing my science fiction universes <laughs> a little bit. Whereas with the you know with the light side of the force, it's always, you know, we come together, you know, and we 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 work together. It's only by all we all of us together that we succeed just like it wasn't just Luke who destroyed the Death Star it was the sacrifice of all those X-Wing pilots but it was also Han and Chewie coming in to you know to to help save the day yeah, it's always yeah. about the coming together that that we win and and th- there's this divisiveness in the dark side uh, evil evil makes for loneliness uh, whereas the light side binds the universe together binds people together um right. and it binds them for the sake of friendship, whereas the dark side only binds people for a utilitarian purpose. It's to reach the destruction of that friendship, um, uh, but it ultimately isolates people, and that's that's why Finn tries to step out of that, and 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 he wants to connect. He he becomes a friend uh, instead of just a a, a soldier. Um, we then go back. Uh, well, we we briefly see what's happening to BB-8 and uh, and Ray and she keeps a droid etc um and and then we we get this uh, great sequence where uh, uh, uh Finn um takes the prisoner to another holding cell or whatever <laughs> the classic thing that they should know by now that you know <laughs> don't just let important prisoners be taken away <laughs> because they did that with that wookie <laughs> in the death star <laughs> Maybe we should uh, call upstairs and double check the order. Yeah. Let me just get Kylo Ren on the phone. <laughs> or at least, you know, show me your ID <laughs> so we can track, track you down. Uh, but no, it still works. Um, also, I was, I was amazed to see that the place is crawling with mouse droids. And there, seemed to, there seems to be this kind of upgraded mouse droid. Did you notice? It looked like one of those old... Um, Apple Macintosh uh, speakers that, that are like translucent and they had that kind of dome shaped. I remember that though, I don't think they were from oh, Apple, but um, uh, yeah. when the cube was introduced and, and they yes. seem to be rolling around there as well. So the mouse droids are very old fashioned technology. <laughs> and then you've got these sleeker <laughs> Apple like dr- uh, mouse droids also uh, uh, well, they were, mopping they the were floors. Called- yeah, well, they were called JBL creatures, so maybe that's you know it oh, looks well, enough like yeah. a creature. Well, yeah, <laughs> who knows? Um, the uh, we get that scene, uh, which is I think so well played. Uh, the, the, there is a lot of chemistry between the character of Poe and and Finn, where uh, Finn is actually the one who is super insecure and he's just <laughs> kind of making it making it up as he go. Like, stay calm. I am calm. No, I was talking to myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's just such great writing. Um, and they they hop into that TIE fighter. Um, they 
by the way, it's that discussion where you've got the the sweaty face and the non-sweaty face all the time yeah. between right. Poe and, and, and Finn. Uh, they jump into that TIE fighter. Poe is excited because I get to fly one of these things, whereas he should be afraid, but he's not. <laughs> and then they try to escape and they're held back, which is something I did not gather from the from the trailer. There's this umbilical cord. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking another symbol. They try to escape from the womb. They, they, these two are are they want to start a new life, <laughs> a new adventure, and yet there's this umbilical cord that holds them back, and they can't they can't seem to get out of the belly of the monster. Um, and it's ultimately by their sheer willpower that they break loose. <laughs> And it's again, it's the 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 conjunction of these two, uh, the, they're them working together that helps only, them. Yeah, yeah, only working together. I mean, I love this the the the, the that little conversation of uh, why are you helping me? Well, it's the right thing to do, and it, you need <laughs> yeah. a pilot. Well, yeah, I need a pilot. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's it's this expected, you know, bombastic, you know, higher ideal. I'm yeah. the, I'm the, well, I, I'm getting you because I need a pilot because I'm really I'm trying to escape for myself and I need you to to do it. But the, they immediately form this fast bond. Mm -hmm. I mean, Poe. That's one of the things I really like about Poe is he just seems to be this genuine person who who just acquires friends he's just yes. he's a he's a happy you know a generally happy person or mm -hmm. uh, you know a good person who just wants to to connect with people and so he's you know what's your name fn2187 i'm not gonna oh, call you that it's <laughs> yeah. not a name i'll call you finn and it's like wow like to to get a name i mean that's a and, and that is a huge symbolical uh, sim symbolic moment yes to to be given a name is to mm -hmm. become a person to become in an individual. Well, and um, when does he get the name? Right when the the umbilical cord snaps, and exactly. he's born to a new life, and he gets a new name. So it's baptism, basically. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think I'm reading that into. I'm not projecting that. I think that's truly the genius of this script. And, right. and perhaps the writers weren't even aware, but this is the symbolism that is part of what makes this movie so powerful. And that's why the people keep asking me, how can you watch this movie eight times? Well, it's because of this kind of stuff. Like I see this movie, I'm thinking, oh, wait a minute, that's birth, that's baptism. He gets a new name <laughs> and it's a new you. And it's, it, yeah, I love that kind of stuff. Um, then they, uh, of course, uh, have a little uh, chase sequence uh, and, and they... they uh, well, it's classic Star Wars. They shoot at some yep. cannons and stuff, and then they get hit and and uh, twirl down to the planet, similar to the uh, escape pod with the droids in it. Um, mm -hmm. Back to Jakku. It's like, who wants to go back to Jakku? What good can come <laughs> from Jakku? It's always kind of selling this planet as a it's a junkyard. You know what? There, <laughs> nothing good comes from the pla this planet. And and what mythology always does, lots of biblical stories also, is like it's the. Uh, Salvation comes from the most remote, unassuming places. It's there. Yes. It's from the desert that redemption comes. It's from this little town of Nazareth that the Redeemer uh, comes from, etc. It's always a backwater. I mean, Tatooine yeah. was, you know, if if you can imagine the 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 furthest the place furthest from the bright side of the uh, the, the galaxy, yeah. this was it. I mean, that was Tatooine, and this is a, 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 um. 
possibly even worse. <laughs> like uh, people just don't like desert planets in this galaxy for some reason. <laughs> right. And and uh, think of the uh, Millennium Falcon, which all kids think is the coolest ship in the universe. But people in the Star Wars universe is like, you came in that? You're braver than we. <laughs> than I thought. It's like a, it's a piece of junk. Um, and so even the ship is kind of tra- is telling that same story that the ship that saves the day is a piece of junk. <laughs> yes. So always look beyond the appearances because the, this new order with all the chrome, you know, beauty and everything is super well designed and efficient. Ultimately, that's not what's going to make it. Um Kylo, of course, uh, sends uh, his uh, squad to um, to the wreckage. Uh, they go looking for um, for the droid. Um, we get that moment where Finn and Poe get separated, uh, and Finn uh, finds the jacket of of Poe, puts it on again. Very symbolic. He he lets go of his old identity. All the pieces that of, of the armor that he left leaves on the uh, mm-hmm. on the sand dunes of Jakku, um, and he finds that new jacket. You know, this is one of the very few weak moments, or 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 part of a weak element in the movie for me, which is the the fate of Poe. Um, you know, so we we crash, Finn's alone. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, Poe is apparently we think is dead. Until, except later on, he just kind of appears. Yeah. And and I, and I really felt like, you know, it's one of the few times where we didn't get sufficient story arc for a character. Like, well, true. well what happened? <laughs> How did that happen? You know, it's like true. this great character. But it's focus. It's all about focus. It's all, yeah. we need to stick with the, the most important characters. And the character of Poe Dameron, even though he's very sympathetic and they, from what I've heard, are expanding his role in the, in the sequel... Um, he wasn't meant to be more than just kind of the um, the the helper of Finn, uh, kind of a secondary yeah. character, a sidekick. Uh, whereas in, in in terms of strength right. of character, it's almost the opposite. And, um, and I know that we needed Finn to be alone at this point yes. to to make his journey. Uh, I I just kind of you know it's it's a it's a small weakness. It's not a, it's mm-hmm. not a, it's not a major thing for me. But I just kind of wish there were a couple lines or just a little explanation that let let me you know create a little headcanon. Yeah. So that, or even a so joke I, like seeing him in a in an unexpected situation on Jakku and like oh poor guy. <laughs> but that would have right. made the 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 reveal of him being alive less powerful because they want us to believe that he's dead which of course we don't believe because we've seen the merchandise <laughs> so we know that he's alive <laughs> or, or you know in that moment where we where the reveal comes it's like how did you survive oh i ejected and i was found by the by the scavengers and they got me to a town and i got off the planet yeah that's that's all i mean i know it's we're we're trying to keep a tight story mm-hmm. and 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 that's True. And maybe that's an incompatible with that. But uh, it was, if anything, that's one of the things that a lot of people point out as, wait a minute, how, how did he survive? And it, it, so if, if, if they were ever going to make an extended edition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you want that to be in there. <laughs> maybe maybe for like, a, like a 10 second moment. I would add 10 seconds for oh, that. <laughs> you know, the, the novel is about that. It's, 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 it's there for that as well. It gives a little bit yeah. more 
context for it, these events. And it did give us the whole the whole story of how Finn uh, uh, Poe gets off the planet, which is which is fine. But uh, yeah, it's uh, that's it, actually it's, one it's of just that, the what small you what you say is a weakness of this movie. I think I think it's a strength compared to the novel. Uh, I, I was reading the novel and I got bored several times. I was like, oh, they spin it out so much. I don't need to know all that. Just get back to the action. And it's just I don't know. It's just it felt less. Mm, focused I, as a story. I agree, I agree actually. Reading the novel, and the no, it was it was fairly short. It was a fairly quick read. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would it did feel like you know because a novel expands, it did feel like the pacing was a lot slower than the movie, and the movie's pacing was essentially perfect. It yes. was just nonstop ride through it. Uh, um, even when even when you had contemplative moments, you didn't feel like it was slow. Um, and that you're right. I mean, the, that was that's a problem inherent to to a to a book to turning into a novel. I always say books and movies are two different things, and you can't expect it to convert from one to the other seamlessly. It's yeah. just it's going to suffer one way or the other. Mm-hmm. So the Tie Fighter gets uh, eaten up by uh, the this quicksand or whatever it is, um, and there is the classic uh, sand burp. Did you notice that? The explosion, which always like made everybody like, ah, in the, in the theater. But it, it was kind of the, the, the burping thing that lots of creatures on Sand Planet seem to do. I think of uh, the moment when uh, poor Boba Fett gets eaten. <laughs> yes, the Sarlacc. Yeah, so uh, I guess there is some, uh, uh, some acid uh, reflux or whatever going on. <laughs> Probably the mother of that sand creature uh, told it to not eat Thai fighters, strange Thai fighters. <laughs> so stay away from Thai food. Yes. <laughs> oh, Thai fighter. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> so we go back to uh, Domhnall Gleeson's character on the Star Destroyer, General Hux. Um, Kylo Ren, like, you are incompetent, etc., uh, etc. Et and then the, you've got that, well, who who is actually... Um, fulfilling the wishes of this this mysterious uh, super creature, uh, the best is it Kylo or is it the efficient army? Um, and that goes on and on. Even even when when Kylo has failed uh, or made mistakes or didn't uh, do what he was supposed to do, then immediately Hux tries to show like, look, I I, I no problem with me. I, we can retrieve the droid. Kylo didn't think it was important. So there's this ongoing almost as if they're brothers, like uh, uh, trying to kind of uh, uh, battle for the attention of their of their father on the throne. You know, it's it's interesting that Kylo is the advocate for a clone army. And I wonder, again, is this part of his Vader worship? You know, because Vader had a clone army, so mm-hmm. I think we should have a clone army. Mm-hmm. Like, only, everything that Vader did was the right way of doing things. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, we've all known people like that who kind of worship the old, this old way, even though yeah. not every single thing that was ever done that way, which, mm-hmm. which actually may be a sort of a fan thing, like, oh, George Lucas wouldn't have done it that way. <laughs> you know, well, Darth Vader wouldn't have done it that way. Well, if Steve Jobs were still here, he yeah. wouldn't have done that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's the humanity, I think, of the characters. Uh, makes us relate. Yes. Um, then we get, we get a, a, a long sequence on Jakku, which I... Um, think was great, great acting. It established the the, the whole uh, friendship between Finn and Ray. Uh, reluctant at first, um, uh, Finn uh, showing himself again as the 
he must have watched all the Walt Disney movies when he was in training <laughs> and thinking, oh, that's how I'm supposed to behave. And then he, but he has only seen the older Disney movies, whereas Ray has been watching all the newer ones with the female heroines. And she's like, no. <laughs> Why do you keep holding my hand? Yeah. And then she, she is actually the one who reaches out and takes Finn's hand to when he is uh, again knocked down for the, I don't know how many times that happens in this movie. Um, but uh, that's also the first time that, that Ray hears about uh, Luke Skywalker and saying, well, I, I thought he was a myth. So she knows the stories, but for her, it's ancient past. Um, she, she did not believe him to be real. Um, it's all setting up for, the, for later in the story. Um, the stormtroopers discover them. We get the reveal of the Millennium Falcon, which was brilliant. Um, this pan to the to the right, to the well, <laughs> our left and their right. <laughs> we'll, well go for the junk. <laughs> well, that's the, the great thing is they're like uh, you know let's we're we're gonna take that ship over there. Oh, that hunk of junk? No, no, the quadcopter or mm-hmm. the whatever it is uh, over there. Yeah. And then as they run for it, it blows up, and it's like okay, I guess we take the junk, and you turn, and there it is. And yeah. and it's and it's the funny thing is you know thirty years ago. It was a hunk of junk. Yes. Now it's even more of a hunk of junk. It's a hunk so of junk in a junkyard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and 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 I just love that. You know, people said that. Oh, you know, Ray. She she. Why was she so good at everything at first? She could barely fly the thing. Yes. She was dra- dragging it along the ground and bumping into stuff. I, I I don't think she was flying it all that great at first. No. And I think she had a, a kind of theoretical knowledge of the thing because she she had been present when the modifications were made. So perhaps. Uh, uh, Unkar plot took her for a for a test drive or something like that, but <laughs> you know, it's, it's, she she was just trying it out and use. She has it like a a, a talent or again a raw talent to fly ships, mm-hmm. but uh, she still needs to learn a lot. <laughs> <laughs> right, but and not yet skill, which is a learned uh, learned ability. Well, and 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 it 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 sets us up for um, Han Solo's role of a teacher. He, he mm-hmm. is going to teach her how to fly uh, um, the Millennium Falcon properly, and she takes his place. So this is, is obvious that she can't fly uh, straight away as a super pilot. That would have been unbelievable. But I, 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 I agree. Um, she almost wrecks the thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, uh, uh, what I also loved is that Millennium Falcon is kind of partially covered in in. in in drapes and in what is it, uh, old pieces of cloth, and so it, uh, again, it's like this. Um, uh, the what's the bird like, that rises rises from the ashes? The the phoenix. The, the phoenix. Uh, it's this moment of like oh, the falcon takes flight again, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, it's almost like like a burial shroud. You know, it's just it's yeah. it's it's dead. It's it's and it just rises again when the heroes. When it's time for the heroes to to rise to, to to come into their own, that's the Millennium Falcon that carries them, as it has yep. so often in the past. And it has again beautiful uh, uh, reflection of of the scenes with Luke and Han uh, in the Millennium Falcon, where Finn goes straight away to the cannons, uh, same <laughs> stairs. I mean, just a perfect copy of what we saw. Um, <laughs> And, uh, well, he has had a little bit of training uh, with the, those guns, so that pays off here. Um, and uh, Ray is flying the thing on her own. And we get a, another homage, I think, to Luke's, uh, to uh, George Lucas. I keep saying Luke Skywalker. Uh, <laughs> George Lucas loved racing sequences. 
every movie <laughs> had one. Um, he loved cars as a kid and as a teenager. And um, that's what they try to evoke here. Um, I, I heard the people that visualized this, this sequence and they, they wanted to make it feel like a, uh, an old-fashioned car chase. That's why they're so <laughs> kind of low on the ground and there's like sand mm -hmm. uh, on all... Uh, 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 exploding around them, and there's this kind of very visceral feel to it. And they go in in the belly of the beast again. It's this this uh, this whale of a star destroyer, <laughs> and they fly straight into it and and exit it via the side. And it's again a little bit of a rebirth, uh, uh, I think. Um, and then they escape. They uh, oh, you've got that beautiful moment where Ray is helping. Finn shoot that remaining TIE fighter. Mm -hmm. And the gun's jammed. And she doesn't even, even take credit for it later on. She's <laughs> like, oh, that's lucky. <laughs> and and, and <laughs> multiple times she she does not yeah. take credit for the things that she uh, that that she helped with. So it's a very, very modest in a way. There's nothing uh, in her that wants that needs to be validated in that way. Um so they, they, yeah, they get away. They, they, uh, oh, that's another beautiful, when they're super excited and they're just jumping up and down. It's like kids, kids yeah. in this big spaceship. I love that, that <laughs> sequence, the way they played it, where they're talking over each other. And we have subtitles in the Netherlands and the subtitles couldn't even like make sense of it. It's like too fast. <laughs> and like, we get like one sec second to read a subtitle and they try to translate uh, Ray, but it's their common excitement and that's they they that's the moment where they bond they have done something together they overcome they overcame uh, this big threat uh, another gatekeeper sequence and once they've done that that's what kind of seals the deal and um, uh, that's the moment where w once they tell each other uh, their names you see Finn on the verge of telling the truth it's like Ray right. and then the alarm sounds and <laughs> yeah, right. It's uh, it's it's too late, and he has to kind of stick with his original story because he's afraid. He doesn't want to confess that he is just a stormtrooper. That's for later. And and Ray doesn't seem to care. <laughs> <laughs> then we get this other brilliant, brilliant uh, sequence of the first order officer having to tell Kylo Ren that the droid has escaped. <laughs> and then this is like, so a droid stole stole the uh, fry, uh, freighter, <laughs> and and you totally expect the poor officer to be choked to death, right? Yes, <laughs> like that. That's what Darth Vader would do. I think he expected it, <laughs> but uh, instead Kylo is just uh, destroying whatever is in his vicinity. Um, and uh, but then he Maybe mentions a girl, and there there's this girl, and and that's where he gets pulled in with the force, and you you hear his his boots on the floor doing the rickety which I thought was a brilliant sound effect. <laughs> and uh, what girl? Which is a I think a very important clue that Kylo Ren knows about yes. a girl. There is a girl in his There's, past, but what and who? Yes. His sister, yeah. his cousin, mm. his, uh, yeah. this, in, incarnation of Darth Vader. Hmm? Yeah. 
uh, there's a there's a girl that he expects to show yes. up again someday. Yes. A missing girl mm-hmm. could have just been part of a prediction by uh, uh, by Snoke. Perhaps uh, mm-hmm. Snoke told him, you know, at one point there will be this girl. It's like um, uh, in Back to the Future Two when uh, Marty shows up at the office of his, you know, foster father and. Oh, uh, this this guy told me that this would happen. This old guy, <laughs> and uh, that I had to kill uh, this Marty McFly if he would ask for uh, this or that information. Oh, you know, so that could could be one of the things we don't know. But there is definitely something. Uh, Kylo is afraid of this girl, um, and he's still not sure if if th- that is the girl that it was supposed you know that that he heard about or that he knows about. But he's a, he is getting suspicious. Um, and then we go uh, to the Falcon, um, and they uh, Ray wants to go back to Jakku, <laughs> and it's again, it's Finn's like, no, not again. Why do you want to go back to that stupid planet? <laughs> this junkyard. Why does everybody want to go there? <laughs> yeah. Um, because uh, why does Ray want to go back to Jakku? Is it because she doesn't want to leave the planet? Yeah, I think the I think there's a sense of and you know when you how you're you ever like waiting for a de- the the delivery man who's bringing a package mm-hmm. with something you really want like a like a new computer or something and you're afraid like if I if I go to the corner store to to get more milk I just know he's going to come while I'm gone yeah yeah I, I got to get back there and I you're think right. that's I think that's right. just, she just feels like. I've been waiting my whole life, but I just know that if I'm gone for too long, they're going to come while I'm gone and then leave again. Yeah. And I think you you get that feeling of that that anxiety from her. Mm-hmm. And then at that moment, someone is coming to her. <laughs> someone is <laughs> literally picking her up, um, and and uh, we get another uh, whale sequence where the small falcon is is gobbled up by this huge ship and. You get that uh, funny sequence where Finn is is uh, using Ray's head <laughs> to kind of as a, stop stop holding. She says something like she's she's uh, they are behaving like brother and sister, don't you think? These two uh, the, like there's, there's no yes, romance there's yeah, yet. Yeah, uh, it's I mean there there could be in the future, but now it's just a it's just a, a, an immediate friendship without you know. I mean, on Finn's part, there might be some. I mean, he's a guy, yeah. so you know. So well, and he's asking some, at one point, uh, like, do you have a do you have a girlfriend? Do you have a boyfriend? Do you have a, is it a cute boyfriend? <laughs> like checking out the competition. But <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so, and, and actually, um, there is a little bit of moment uh, with BB-8 in the when he's trying to get him a. So BB-8, go ahead and tell him where the where the base is. Like so he's like, come yeah. on, BB-8, be my wingman, help me out here. Yes. <laughs> and and BBA kind of reluctantly, you know, helps them out in this situation. Uh, but but so yeah. But then they're they you know they they go into this moment where they're they think they're being you know captured by the first order again. But it turns out to be, you know, that moment when when yeah. when Han and Chewie come on board. Yeah, and uh, that's the kind of the, the the big reveal in the first trailer that got everybody in in tears, <laughs> including me. <laughs> and it's it's Han Solo and Chewie and. Chewy, it's the moment that made you home. famous in that in the Google end of the year video. <laughs> and again, I love that story. Did you hear that about the way that they filmed this? Where no. the original, the original, uh, what what um, 
Harrison Ford wanted to say, we're home, Chewie. And and J.J. Abrams insisted, no, you got to say it differently. It's different. And Harrison Ford is like, why? And, <laughs> and so it's like, Chewie, we're home. And, and, and Harrison Ford was like, I, I get it. This works much better than... We're home, Chewie. <laughs> yeah. It's these little things which happened all the time when they were filming *Empire Strikes Back*, where they were trying out ways to say it and 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 let's do let's try this. Wow, that works so much better, and it becomes this iconic phrase that is like almost a tagline of this movie that makes us feel. It makes it resonates with everything we feel about this movie. We're home. This is. My Star Wars. We, this is my ship. <laughs> we are home. <laughs> right. We, we don't have the, you know, the, the ersatz uh, Star Wars of the, of the prequels in the sense, you know, that uh, it's, been, it's been 30 years, you know, and yes. now we're, we're home again. We have it once again, uh, this, this movie that we've missed so much. Um, and, and you do feel the, the emotions different. Like, you know, we're home, Chewie, is, you know, we just got back with the groceries. Yes. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Whereas Chewie... We're home. It's got a whole different emotional yeah. vibe to it. It's funny. Just in, in 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 just invert a couple of words, and it it, it gets so powerful. Um, that brings us, I think, to the the end of this first act. And I would suggest that we uh, also end our first uh, part here of our uh, <laughs> talk about this movie. Um, and uh, in our next two episodes, we will talk about Act 2 and Act 3 of this movie, and we'll do it kind of in the same way. I want to mention before we, uh, we end um, that we have a super fan. Um, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know who I'm referring to, right? Uh, we got an email from Robert Powell, and uh, he wrote uh, a while ago, uh, my daughter Annie... Uh, 14 years old, is a huge Star Wars fan and listened to all of your Secrets of Star Wars podcasts. She took notes on every episode and later added up follow-up comments. And then she actually went back to her her notes and compared everything that we talked about and predicted and speculated about with what actually happened in the movie and in the final story, kind of giving us uh, a, 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 a scorecard of the things we we <laughs> predicted right and 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 not, it's a f great read, especially if you've been listening to this podcast uh, to to the, the early episodes. And we will post the PDF on uh, in the show notes on the website, so you can take a look uh, at it for yourself. Um, and she's not the only Star Wars fan because they've got uh, two other kids, Noah and George, 11 years old, uh, also Star Wars fans. And they even uh, created their own Star Wars film. Uh, so it's a new generation creating. <laughs> they might be actually be the directors of Star Wars 30, 40 years from now. Who knows? <laughs> we, we're we're, we're going to be old Jedi. And it was like, oh, in the olden days when everything was so elegant. <laughs> <laughs> but well, uh, these new Jedi don't know how to do it. <laughs> yeah, massive thanks to uh, Annie for uh, for sending us that, and um, uh, we we hope you're going going to enjoy that uh, reading that uh, document, and we might refer to it in our in our future episodes as well. Final uh, thoughts, Dom, was, about this first uh, act. Well, no surprise that it took us. <laughs> More than an hour to talk about uh, the the first uh, third of the movie, um, you know, and I hope uh, the our, the listeners enjoy our obsessive detail. Um, but you know, it's it's just getting started. I mean, the this 
you know, getting into this first act is really just the, you know, it only gets better from here. Yes. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to discussing the, the, the second two parts. I was almost afraid to record this uh, review or this talk because I was like, oh, am I going to forget about this and I'm going to forget about that? And uh, there, there's just so much to take in. And I was afraid that having seen the movie eight times that I would forget about the, the initial thoughts that I had w when I was first seeing the movie. Sometimes you, you, when you're fresh, and I'm so glad I did not go the spoiler route, uh, there, the, you see other things than when you see it uh, the, you know, the eighth time. But then I, I, mm -hmm. I said to myself, we'll be okay. We'll use the force. <laughs> That's not how the force works. <laughs> One of my favorite, favorite lines in the movie. <laughs> Especially given who delivers it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so you're cold. <laughs> but of course, we'll talk about that in obsessive detail in part, I think, part three of this uh, Absolutely. Of recording. Thank you so much for listening. This show is part of our whole lineup of, of shows and podcasts and uh, also in the near future um, videos uh, that we're going to produce. So uh, you can find these show notes uh, on sqpn.com slash Star Wars. So that's sqpn.com slash Star Wars. And that's also the place where you can find links to our uh, Facebook, Twitter accounts and all the other places where you can join us. Um, Dom, there's one final thing that we need to mention, and that's the Facebook group that you set up, which has been a tremendous community. Yes, it's actually, it's, I've, I don't even know how many people it's, it's up to now, but it's over, it's a couple hundred at least. Um, you know, when we when the movie first came out, there was a lot of people who wanted to talk about the movie, and a lot of people who hadn't yet seen it and didn't want to be spoiled. So I set up a closed Facebook group, the Secrets of Star Wars Spoiler Discussion Group, um, where people could join and talk about uh, talk about the movie and talk about Star Wars. Um, you know, it's it's generally we've tried to kept it's it's kind of. Um, toned down a little bit lately where this is starting to ramp up again now that episode eight is uh, started filming. Uh, but um, people still posting their speculation and their theories and their, and their reflections. Um, it's, it's, I try to keep it a very um, uh, clean community. I mm -hmm. try to keep up the spammers and the other things. So uh, the, we have, we just have, you know, a couple of rules, but one big one is, is um, no spoilers for future movies. Yes. <laughs> so, no posting rumors. Uh, we're, we're trying to keep spoiler free for people who want to enjoy the movie um, as it was intended when it comes out. So, But everything else that we've seen is already fair yeah. game. A huge shout out to everyone who has participated in that uh, Facebook group. It's been just a, a great time. It's, it's just one of the wonders of the internet. Uh, being able to talk for months about one single movie <laughs> <laughs> with friends who totally understand why. <laughs> exactly. It's sometimes something we don't have uh, in our natural environment. <laughs> <laughs> right. Thank you for listening. Dom, thanks for joining me today. And we will be back soon with another episode of The Secrets of Star Wars. May the Force be with you. Bye.